0: Once Upon a Time, Season 5, Episode 14 is over, but we are just getting started here on Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there. My name is Mike Bloom, one of the co-hosts of Once Upon a Recap. and I'm joined, as always, by a guy who just finished getting all of his face tattoos on. It's the one and only Kurt Clark. Kurt, you look magnificent.
1: Thank you, thank you. I'm going for uh, the full full face, the full scalp. Uh, So I've I've got several stages to go still, but it's a good start. It's a good start.
0: I don't even know where your skin is anymore. It just seems like one big mess of black. You truly are the dark one now, Kurt. <laughs>
1: well, thank you, Mike Bloom. I, I'm doing my evil best.
0: So here we are, episode three of this half season. We keep delving back into the past. Here we have a gold slash Rumpelstiltskin episode, which, in my opinion, did not disappoint. I don't know if you feel the same way, Kurt, but I would even say this is maybe my favorite out of the three we've had so far now that we're in the Underworld
1: um you know i haven't sat down to kind of you know power rank those but i would guess for me um as much as i kind of liked the introduction to the underworld i think i did like this one better i think that i'd have to agree with you on that one
0: yeah i just think i mean a i would say that rumpelstiltskin is probably still my favorite main character i think he between robert carlyle's performance the character overall and just the entire backstory of him is so Uh, perversely complicated and we'll see it even more this episode. I feel like the writers probably have... I have a feeling they have the, the most fun writing about him. Um, And even the writer of this episode was Jane Espenson, who's written a good amount of episodes for Once Upon a Time, but is more notable for writing a a slew of Buffy episodes. So she really knows how to tug at the heartstrings. And she did a little bit here, though, maybe in a little bit of a different way, because we talk about revisiting our past. And even though Hercules was not technically someone we knew before, it was someone that Snow White knew before. We have another one from uh, This Is Your Life stepping through the door here, Kurt, this week. And in this case, it is Mila returning from... I'm assuming she appeared in season three in a flashback at some point, but I don't even know when the last time we saw her was. Yeah,
1: this one, again, I, I try not to do too much research on, like I'll, I'll watch the previews, and I actually didn't see any previews that gave away that Mila was going to be in this. So I thought that this was kind of a, a fun surprise for me, and I, and I was interested in seeing where this went.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting. I actually love the through line this episode of it's basically our main characters in a, in a basically three ways are dealing with their past loves. I mean, you have Mila quite literally confronting her ex-husband and having to work alongside him. We have this whole entire Regina subplot where she's basically looking for Daniel's grave and is trying to find out whether he you know, tipped over his gravestone, metaphorically speaking, or not. And then we have a little bit of Emma with Neil, and we got that, you know, in the beginning of this half season, but it's almost brought to light a little bit more once Emma is actually facing Mila, which complicates things for a variety of reasons. Not to mention, they again mention him, and I feel like even though he only appeared in that one scene, I feel like Neil is holding, uh, he's, he's kind of hovering over this story arc, a lot in a much more of a particular way than he has maybe in the past year or so.
1: Yeah. Even, and, and, and with that, even though he says in the, the first episode of this, you know, back half um uh, that you know he's not he has no reason to go to the underworld his his business is finished the the fact that they keep bringing him up and i i, I keep getting this feeling we might be seeing him again so it will it'll be interesting uh, if he just becomes this uh, this name that's continuously mentioned or if he actually does make play some sort of role in the events of the back half of season 5
0: Yeah, I mean, he has. he's a case of someone who has moved on, and we've seen King Henry has moved on as well. Hercules and Meg have moved on, though I don't know if they're going to the same location as they are, but who knows? I talked last episode about how they could maybe call upon Hercules now that he's officially at Mount Olympus as sort of a deus ex machina. Maybe our deus ex machina focuses around Neil. Maybe if he's, you know, wherever he may be, he's Beholding to some sort of magical powers of influence because we'll we'll probably talk about this much more later on the episode, but Hades just seems all too powerful right now, Kurt. I don't even know how these main characters are going to be able to uh, escape him or defeat him in any sort of way, though. That usually happens all the time in Once Upon a Time. I feel like we take the first few episodes, we say, oh no, the Snow Queen is out of control. She's all powerful. These Queens of Darkness must be stopped. Arthur's manipulating them all. He, can, you know, Nobody can do anything. They're turning on each other, but they all get defeated summarily somehow. Uh, but I don't want to bury the lead in our top story here, which is, two episodes ago, Kurt, you made a prediction that I think you said we uh, Hook would be found and rescued by episode 17. Now, semantically speaking, I don't know if hook is technically rescued yet because he's not out of the underworld, but he he has been found and he is in the possession of the rest of our main characters.
1: I believe we specifically said that in episode, he would be found, uh, by episode 15 and rescued by episode 17. And, And to me, when I, I'm sorry, when I was saying rescued, I meant like, uh, removed and escaped from the underworld. So we're, we're one episode early in terms of finding hook. Um, we'll, we'll see if, uh, if we, uh, overshot in terms of when they actually escape the underworld
0: yeah i mean maybe could could there be like a little bit of a of a ditch differential could it be like well you know we we overshot by one episode so we can add one episode onto the leeway time and when it takes to find hook and we can bump our deadline back to episode 18
1: oh potentially um I, I don't know it'll 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 be interesting to see i i think they could have definitely it, it would have potentially been a bit more fun to see some adventures in the uh, underground labyrinth that is that is uh hell or hades um i think we we specifically i think got a little bit more of a, a peek into the geography of um of what's going on here uh we you know we ventured into one of the five colored rivers let says the the green river uh but you know we'll we'll get to that we'll get to that.
0: Yeah, let's let's go back to the Enchanted Forest yes. here. And it seems like the theme of this half season is indeed going back to the Enchanted Forest, because, you know, we obviously do not have our memories wiped where we have to go back in time a la season three B or five A. So let's let's talk a little bit more about Rumpelstiltskin when he was merely a man, though this is seems to be post Ogre Ogre War, so definitely in the coward era of his life. Uh, And while they're gathering wood in the woods, uh, the mom and dad are promptly arguing Mila at this point has pretty much, you know, made this a loveless relationship and she doesn't really look up to him at all anymore. But they're, they're arguing so much that they let Balefire get away and he gets bit by a snake yeah. uh, i well, did not realize that jane espenson was channeling the oregon trail for this moment but <laughs> well, you know like where we have to draw inspiration
1: well, it's not like he died of dysentery I not mean, yet, you, not know, yet. You,
0: you have no idea what would have happened in 24 hours of this I, you know if this poison had hit
1: well i, I don't believe that a uh, a key symptom of a atlantean uh, rat snake a bite is dysentery. Um, if I, if I, if I go back to my knowledge of, uh, uh enchanted forest zoology, uh, no, yeah, he, this, these aren't going to, these, these two aren't going to win parent of the year. I mean, it's, it's like, not only are they constantly at each other's throats, but they're fighting so much that it's interfering with actually them being, uh, in charge of the safety of their only son.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, we'll talk about this i feel like sometimes they're usually sympathetic towards our main characters in these flashback sequences or at least shows a little bit more of their character i actually feel like they painted rumpelstiltskin in a really negative light throughout these flashback scenes but freaking out about the fact that obviously their son got bit by this you know malevolently glowing snake uh they take him to a healer now apparently his name is fendrake yep I thought I heard Frederick. Uh, So the entire time I was typing Frederick until I looked it up on the Once Upon a Time wiki, and his name is apparently Fendrake, which... I mean, Frederick is is not so modern that it wouldn't make sense in this realm but we shall call him by his correct name
1: yeah yeah closed captioning saved me on that one because it looked for all the world uh like Jim Rice to be completely honest which would not be completely off base if this were talking about like an herbalist slash healer here but uh yeah there, there's Aaron Douglas who uh who played Fendrake uh, and I know him from Battlestar Galactic he, he turns up in all sorts of things he, he to me just looks like the spitting image of Jim Rice from Survivor so it's hard for me to get past that especially in terms of all the herbs that he's dealing
0: rumble you screwed me over (laughs) exactly (laughs) I, i i didn't even get that similarity until now and now i can't unsee it uh what did you think about his face tattoos now i didn't do too much historical research outside of the once upon a time lore into this but face tattoos to me seems much less medieval and more like pacific islander slash samoan you know, what, you know, I can see that. Although um, I'm
1: thinking a little bit also like the Braveheart in terms of uh, it's not necessarily face tattoos, but like face arts and definitely like war paintish. And it seems to be somewhere in between that. Um, I think perhaps perhaps he was um, uh, influenced by uh, Sir Michael of Tyson uh, for in, in this look, uh, one of the unknown knights of the Round Table. But uh, this, yeah, this was a you know what. You know, it, it works for him this is this, this is this is i'm not going to question a person who you know, maybe he got this in the in the middle of experiencing some of his own uh, wares if you will
0: i heard sir michael of tyson was banned from the round table after he uh, cut off too many ears of the peasants in the village
1: yeah yeah that is, it's he 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 overdoes it like that sometimes
0: uh well, he he can't help it. You know, Sir George Foreman is out grilling things. Sir of Tyson wants to be known as well, though. Of course, it's more of ill repute than good repute. But Fendrake is here, uh, tattoos and all. And he basically tells them, well, yes, as you talked about, Kurt, it's the Atlantean rat snake. I first thought it was the Agrabah viper. I'd sort of m- forgotten as to what it looked like. But uh, I guess we have another creature in your zoology Uh, Kurt, that you are so studious about. And he says that Bay is going to die in 24 hours unless he has a potion. But it comes with a price in this this, uh, point in time, a literal price in that it is 100 gold pieces. Now, of course, Mila and Rumpel, who are basically on Once Upon a Time's version of welfare at this point, cannot afford it. So Mila's solution is to have him, the hobbled man, go into his tent in the middle of the night, steal the potion, and kill him.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I'm wondering if, you know, things kind of, you can, you can debate about whether things end up working out for the best or not. Or, you know, you know if you define success by outcome, um, you know, he, he does end up getting, we'll, we'll get to that. I'm, I'm just wondering, I and mean, we'll talk a little bit about when they go to the, uh, the inn, uh, next. It's like, is there perhaps somebody else that could have done this? Perhaps Mila, perhaps, uh, hiring somebody. But, you know, we do learn that they, they do have some gold, but they don't put it toward, uh, you know, the, the healing potion, they, they put the gold, the gold towards a slightly different use.
0: Yeah, well, maybe this is sort of an inkling of Mila still having feelings for Rumpel at this point, where she's saying, like, I still believe there is a brave man that's deep down inside of you. This could be an opportunity to kind of awaken that beast and become the man that I've always wanted you to be.
1: If beast is awakened for 24 hours seek a healer.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. If beast lasts longer for 4 hours, please see a healer. Uh so let's let's go to the pub as you just mentioned. Mila passes off the knife and of course Rumple is uh, he's a skeered but Mila is able to stave him off with a kiss. But the the more important thing that happens in this segment Kurt is that we get the meet cute between Mila and Captain Hook
1: yeah i didn't you know what i didn't necessarily see that coming um and so that was a little bit of a a surprise um but yeah it's we we were kind of in she's introduced to him here it was interesting to see that part of her life and you know there's definitely some chemistry there but you know I, it's interesting because he's you know basically saying that there's all this place that you, know, you can travel and there's exotic places where the air spells of spice. It actually sounded a bit like uh, he was describing Agrabah um, in terms of the, the spices in the air and the women being carried around on jeweled thrones. Um, but she said, you know, I've got an ailing child. I've got a husband. I couldn't possibly go with you. And I found it very interesting and actually unexpected where, you know, Killian basically says to her, because he's not really hook at this point, uh, you know, I'm in port often if that ever changes. And she basically looks him dead on and says, that's never going to change, but thank you. Which actually surprised me in terms of how she responded to his offer.
0: Yeah, and sort of connecting this back to the first time we see them consort, which is in uh, Season 2, Episode 2, when we first meet Captain Hook in general. At that point, I think we, we assume that, oh cuz I think there's a scene where like she is in the pub with the pirates and I think we 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 assume that oh this is the first time she's met them but it seems like this is the first time she met hook and the pirates in this episode and now it seems like when she was doing that in the crocodile episode it was more like her saying dad I'm going to go out and hang out with my friends don't wake up don't wait up yeah it was
1: it was um It was it was interesting. It was a slightly different look at the relationship, or at least the very early stages of the relationship between them. But uh, it was it was still kind of I I liked seeing it. It was was interesting to see.
0: Yeah. And I do like here where she she refuses Hook's offer, as you say, because she says that she has responsibilities and actually pairs really nicely in the scene later on in the episode where Gold and Mila are just waiting at the boat. And she said that she's actually her unfinished business is bailfire because she knew she had responsibilities, but she ended up shirking them just to run off with Captain Hook.
1: Wanda shirking them?
0: Yes, okay. exactly. <laughs>
1: Sailing on the sea with Captain Hook. For the, we we really just assume that people listen to watch Survivor and watch this. I'm, I'm yeah, hoping God, some- God help
0: God help you if you have it at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it makes a lot more sense if you watch Survivor. Trust me. There's, I'm not just producing weird voices for the hell of it, though. Who knows my mentality at this point? Let's go to Rumple's action here. He attempts to kill Fen Drake, but he just can't do it. Very true to character. Um Fendrake is able to wake up and they sort of you know, they 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 bro down a little bit. They 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 bond over their common difficulties. And Fendrake gives him a break a little bit at first. He says, Look, man, your son's in trouble. You can have the potion, but there will be a terrible price to pay. But gold at this point, I think he's sort of tuned out whatever that price may be because all he has on his mind is that his son is going to be alive and well once again
1: yeah it's 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 more of a beta bro down than like an alpha bro down i mean yeah.
0: it, it's it's, it's a, more like the, a pity bro down
1: yeah they're not they're not you know slamming beers they're like gently sipping on a zima um <laughs> or the the equivalent of whatever uh Fendrick has on hand is that it's, is that
0: Zelina's type of a uh, drink of choice <laughs> yes it
1: is um but it's it, it it's it's interesting because whenever we hear the idea of a deal mentioned around uh, this character of Rumpelstiltskin, either pre-dark one or post-dark one or gold, I mean, your ears automatically prick up because we've so we've we've so become accustomed to deals and twists and loopholes with this character. And I really like the idea that I really like these scenes in Pre-Dark One times with Rumpelstiltskin where he has to be kind of confronted with something that's going to be so part and parcel to who he becomes later on down the road.
0: Though, this does beg the question of, he basically gets duped by Fendrake here. Wouldn't he have a little bit more caution when he gets kind of duped into becoming the Dark One as well? Like, I feel like the situation would sort of make you build some scabs a little bit and make you a little a little more hardened to the world around you, though he seems just as gullible in these future situations canonically as he does here.
1: Ex- explain to me why you think he got duped. Because he went in, I think, I think he full, to me, he fully went into signing a contract and was able to vocalize later on to Mila, what the conditions of this were. I, I, I didn't necessarily feel he was duped. I thought he just made a poor decision, especially when that was going to involve his entire family.
0: I guess you're right. I shouldn't use the term duped with this one. I he, think he did get duped with the Dark One yeah. thing. I think in this this one, he more so knew he made a bad decision. And I feel like when even when you make a bad decision, it makes you a little more cautious to think of, yes. okay, maybe I maybe I shouldn't take this deal at first glance. Maybe I should look more into it. But we see later on that he's still going to take deals without really thinking over the repercussions, which goes on to hurt him or help him depending on how you look at it later though that just might be a character trait overall maybe it's not so much a, a lack of character growth as much as it is just a trait that he has overall
1: yeah i mean i I go back to even um you know jack and the beanstalk not once upon a time jack and the beanstalk but classic maybe a tiny a, <laughs> not, yeah, not tiny um more like almost like into the woods classic jack and the beanstalk where uh you know he makes a really at least, uh, you know, poor deal on the surface for like, you know, trading a cow for a handful of beans. And uh, at least that was done with like the best of intentions. And you can blame a poor deal there on just complete ignorance. Whereas here it's like, it, it it's almost like we didn't, I would have been really interested to see the internal monologue that he had uh, with himself uh, in in terms of weighing whether or not this was a good or a bad idea because like the moment he says to, I thought this was going to be one of those things where Fendrake was going to be able to appear, you know, 10 years down the road and say, ha ha, remember that you owe me a favor. No, they nailed down the specifics of this and put it into a contract. And and the moment it was revealed what it was, I was like, Oh, you, you you're saying this to your wife. Like you think she's going to be on board with it that, and and I don't know if he just, is trying to be positive in his presentation of it so that she'll be more positive in her response, or if he literally just had no inkling from a social perspective that this was not going to fly with Mrs. Stiltskin.
0: Yeah, I mean, this that's definitely the latter. I feel like Rumpel would make a great congressman these days in terms of not thinking about the state of women's bodies whatsoever. I mean, I think it's just a case of like, I, I don't think... I just think it's ignorance, personally. I don't I don't think he knew. I think he him and Mila also might have had different thoughts about how they'd like their family to be. Maybe yeah. he's like, oh, I'm happy with one child. Let's not think about the future. Whereas Mila is very much looking forward to having another child. But uh, not to bury the lead too much. So yeah, he comes home with the potion and he basically explains, no, I didn't have to kill Fendrake. I made a deal. And guess what? I basically, you know... I basically, uh, shook the guy down for all he's worth because all I had to do was sign away our second child. And she is very understandably furious yes. at him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's He's clearly in the wrong here, right?
1: Oh, correct. I mean, I, I completely, like, up to this point was like, Mila just needs to lay off of him for a bit. Like, like she's completely, when they're, when they're initially gathering firewood, when we first see them at the beginning of the flashback, it's like, she's just like, laying into she's completely a shrew but here it's like oh i'm suddenly team mila <laughs> like this was this was no bueno like did he yeah. even negotiate like i wonder could you go back and say uh maybe our third kid <laughs>
0: you know uh, he neg- he negotiated <laughs> down from from his second and a half kid he negotiated yeah. from the from the second kid and the other kid in utero uh, yeah i mean i think it also colors Mila's character a little bit interestingly as well, because she kind of has been presented as one note, especially after the all the Captain Hook stuff that we talked about in the aforementioned crocodile episode. So it was nice in both here and the underworld to really get some more insight as to what her thinkings may be. But she decides, all right, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm running into the arms of the pirates, or at least I'm going to do so secretly for a while. Then we flash forward a little bit. Now this is brought up in the scene with Hades, but I guess in this point in the timeline, Kurt, uh, Rumpelstiltskin has obviously turned into the dark one. And this is the point where it seems like he was romancing Cora for that brief period of time.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think this is back in, in season two. when we have the Rose McGowan as, as young Cora, um, I think the Miller's daughter episode, yep. which interestingly was also written by Jane Espenson. And she had written like, I think 11 episodes over the course of the series. And the fact that she wrote that one in this one, it's nice that there's that, that tie in because I think, at, at, I think we're supposed to believe that, um that, you know, there's the possibility that he could potentially be, you know, producing child with Cora and, you know, and that this is the, you know, he has to kind of handle this slight loophole before he can like do anything with that. I think at the time there was a lot of rumors and speculation around whether or not, uh, Regina was actually the offspring of Cora and Rumpelstiltskin, which makes all sorts of things complicated. Um, so, you know, if, if that, I mean, the, the fact that this contract isn't null and void, uh, in the fact that Hades can resurrect it is, we, we will get to that, but I think we still raise the question is, you know, does the fact that the contract is still valid mean that Regina is indeed, uh, yeah, you know, once upon a time fans. Not the child, child of gold and Cora. Gold is not the father.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need we need magical Mori Povich to come yeah. out and, and remedy the situation. And just to sort of remind people of what happened during that Miller's daughter episode, I believe Cora uh, basically talked her way into saying she could spin straw into gold, and so she was kind of locked in a chamber until she could. And then, sort of like the story of Rumble Stillskin, he came in and he said, "Okay, I'll I'll do it, but you all you have to give me your firstborn child." And she signs the contract. Then they start kind of, you know, they start an affair and they change the contract where instead of it's her firstborn child, it's like his child that he bears with her. So I think it's probably right after that scene that he goes to Fendrake to sort of tie up that loose end. Though I feel like Fendrake's death and subsequent, uh, you know, non-ending of the contract also brings up some questions as to how contracts may end. Because I do feel like some contracts do end in death, but this one in particular did not.
1: Yeah. Or it's like, it's, it's interesting. He's, he's now in a realm where all of the parties who are parcel to the contract are now once again in existence in the same plane. And so any and all contracts that were originally nullified must now be, you know, resurrected and looked at again through a new lens. That's, I'd hate to be like a contract lawyer in the underworld, although there's probably a lot of them there.
0: that's probably greg german right he's played a lawyer in the past i feel like it's that's that's, maybe that's the reason why he's cast they thought like we need hades to basically come off like a a sleazy lawyer type so let's bring him in if james spader isn't available (laughs) yeah
1: true true and he does he does
0: (laughs) could you imagine james spader as this role i think he'd actually do really well at it
1: oh yeah no definitely
0: yeah he's i think he's just laid back enough to really come off as like really apathetic to the trials of our heroes but really angry at the same time, especially if he has that uh, blacklist shaved head. Uh, let's jump from our flashback here. And before we get into our main story, I quickly want to go through the Regina stuff because this is pretty separated from the rest of the action. But I think it's it's still pretty interesting uh, for a variety of reasons. Regina is kind of off on her own mission for most of this episode. She goes into the diner and she doesn't find the blind witch, but she finds this like weird, silent... Assistant Manager, I'm, is she from anything, Kurt?
1: Not that I recall. This is where our, uh, our "Once Upon a Time" army of fact checkers will, I'm sure, let us know. But and she seemed mute, like yeah. And so I'm, I'm wondering if it's like, the, like you've got the the owner, the uh, the granny of the underworld in in our witch who's blind. You've got a server who's mute. Um, I'm wondering if there's one who's like <laughs> deaf also. The cook, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, so. <laughs> it, it, i don't know yeah this was this was that was kind of a strange moment like i couldn't tell if she was like supposed to be being portrayed as as a uh, mute um or if it was just like well we have to pay this actress more if she actually gets any lines
0: yeah exactly you're you're a featured extra you don't actually yes. have any lines yes exactly so she manages to find Corella skulking around in the back and We actually had a comment about this. uh, And now that we see Cruella for the second time this episode, I feel like we need to talk about it. Have Cruella's eyebrows changed since last time we saw her in the overworld? You're asking the wrong guy. (laughs) I don't... I think it maybe it changed... Maybe it was a little less thick in the last episode, but comparing this picture from her this episode with the ones from the fourth season, I thought they pretty much looked the same. Uh I know when we first saw her in season four B, they were pretty garish, and I think we were very quick to comment about that, but I think they died down with it a little bit. And I feel like that's the same level where we found her eyebrows at this episode.
1: Yeah, this 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 was this was not something that I had been uh tracking in terms of uh, uh season to season. So uh it could very well be. And you know they they are, you know, maybe she just does them differently every morning. So
0: yeah, maybe she maybe she chose to pluck them today because she knew she was she was happy. Henry was on her mission to try to get her back into the real world. So Regina reveals to Corella in, in a moment of weakness, that she is having trouble with her magic. And this brings up an interesting point because I don't know if you remember last week, Kurt, but it seems like Emma is able to utilize her magic because she was the one that poofed her and Regina and Megaway to that loft when Cerberus first came. So it brings yeah. up an interesting question of, is Regina not able to harbor her magic because she has emotional blockage or unresolved business? Whereas Emma, while she's very focused on Hook and is very emotionally devoted to that... Seems like a much less clouded mind.
1: No, I'm not sure if we got an answer to necessarily, at least in this episode, why there was this barrier there. Just like you, I was thinking back, I had to kind of like pause and think back over the last two episodes. Like, has she actually cast? Cause I remember in the first episode, um, or, or sorry, in, in last week's episode, um, the teleportation. I originally thought that it had been Regina who had done that, but then they actually they talk they they mention in the dialogue that you no know, Emma had you know transported us away. Um, so I was thinking, yeah, you know this is this is right. You know Regina has actually not really cast any magic since she's been here. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not at all sure why that is. What the the reason for the the blockage is?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure either. And maybe it's, again, I'm chalking it up to more of an emotional thing. I mean. She must be, you know, pretty distracted by the fact that the, her first love might be down here. And it, the fact that she hasn't pursued this yet, it shows a remarkable self-control on her part. I just gotta say, Kurt, I mean, I'm so happy to have Victoria Smurfett back for a variety of reasons. And this next scene is definitely proof as to why I want her back. Because, I mean, she just kills this scene i especially i love the lamp shading here with her referring to how she's ba- she's basically wearing bambi's mother around her neck
1: <laughs> yeah i'm not saying it is i'm not saying it isn't
0: oh uh, man that's it's that's pretty dark And i mean we're going to talk about some dark stuff dark implications that happen later on in this episode but yeah, know this episode specifically is cranked up with like oh yeah all these <laughs> all these things that are cute are dead now
1: <laughs> yeah it's well that's one of the interesting things though is and, and this i think goes for um you kind of take a look at, at you know what Regina's searching for ultimately in this episode is that again not everybody comes to the underworld. I mean, some people will go directly, you know, to the, the happier place. Some will go to the worst place. Uh, it's only that you have unfinished business that, that you arrive here. So, um, the fact that Regina is like looking for anybody in particular, that's very much hedged on whether or not the person had unfinished business or not. So it seems like a little bit of a, uh, a quest of folly in terms of like, uh, you know, whether you're actually going to accomplish that successfully.
0: Well, I guess this brings up the question, and we'll see later on, that Daniel has indeed apparently moved on to a better place, or so we may think. I mean, do you think Daniel would have had unfinished business, considering the last time we saw him was when Regina tried to bring him back basically as a zombie in season two?
1: Well, I think the bigger question is if somebody, you know, technically the the undead, um, like, they I, where do they go when they're finally like sent on to their 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 final resting place? Um I, I don't think you necessarily would see ghosts in the underworld. as zombies are also I don't know. It's it's confusing. It's it, I I was surprised uh, from a Daniel perspective that he would actually be in uh, in the underworld or have been through the underworld.
0: Do you like Regina's coining of the term underbrook? Do you want to use that from now on to describe this place?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's. I'm, I was actually kicking ourselves that we didn't talk about that. That We didn't like, try to come up with that in the previous two weeks because I think it's absolutely perfect. Uh, and Corella also describes this really interesting kind of uh, system to the graves in the graveyard where if the grave is upright, they're currently in the underbrook. If the grave is tipped over... Uh, which you would think is something bad in our world. But here it's something happy. It means that they moved on to the better place. And if it's cracked, it means that they moved on to the worst place. And man, I just hope there are no like juvenile delinquents or really clumsy people in Underbrook because they could probably cause a lot of misunderstandings.
1: Yeah. And just hope at least hoping that they don't actually impact um, the, 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 the the end the the results of where somebody is supposed to be going like somebody's that if you accidentally knock over a gravestone and somebody who was really evil and they're supposed to go uh to basically hell uh they end up actually going to the equivalent of heaven because you accidentally knocked a gravestone over
0: or is it like the person f- from above is like checking the checking the gravestones and he says like oh this person's tipped over i guess they're already in heaven now when really they're still there it's almost like miscounting people on a field trip
1: or counting counting them twice accidentally so one person gets left behind
0: yep exactly exactly so let's go to the graveyard and it turns out that snow white has aided regina on her quest here again showing their friendship that they sort of talked about a little bit in the previous episode they find it and it's tipped over apparently meaning he was moved on to his happy place again i don't think we're sure as to how or why that may have happened but maybe they'll Talk about that later on. The Kurt, there was definitely part of me that thought that it would cut to like Corella or somebody hiding behind a tree, showing that they actually tipped it over on purpose to make it believe like he had moved on when he went wa- when he was actually here at this point in time.
1: I I, I guess that just seems like a lot of trouble. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but you know, I mean, Hades is trying to make these people's lives miserable that are coming down and, and spreading hope to him. Maybe that maybe he sent one of his minions to do that in order to not make Regina rekindle with Daniel, though that would actually probably be the. Opposite thing to causing chaos because I feel like bringing Daniel into the whole equation with Regina and Robin is just going to make things really awkward.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's, it's. I, you know, maybe, you know, I, I didn't. I th- I figured that this was kind of like a one and done scenario. I guess it could be interesting if this was meant. If we do find out that he's actually still here. I mean, we have we, we do learn that you know Cruella has taken over the role of mayor since Cora is gone now, um, and we could only assume that she was kind of appointed to that role by by Hades and if as mayor she has access to this uh you know list of burial plots and she quote-unquote knows this system we really only have Cruella as a puppet of Hades uh her word and that this is actually what the system means so you know Cruella's in a perfect position to be setting uh Regina up for something I just didn't I just don't necessarily see feel like that's where it's actually going to be going
0: well, I mean, she's also one of the names that's been left behind as well, and maybe that makes her even feel worse about it is that like Corella led her to believe, "Oh yes, the person that you cared about has moved on, but guess what? You're staying here now, so that stings even more.
1: Yeah, potentially, potentially. It'll it, I'm putting my money on. We do not see anything else with uh, Daniel uh, for the rest of the season, but I'll you know, if I'm proved wrong, it could be interesting.
0: Yeah, who knows? I mean, we saw Mila and we still, you know, we have the blind witch as a featured character, or at least mentioned these past three episodes. And she only appeared in one episode in season one. So who knows at this point? Kurt, let's talk some equestrian stuff here. I want to talk about this horse that <laughs> Regina finds that she is able to heal with her magic. And that sort of symbolizes that she has regained her confidence or her emotional block has broken down and she is now able to utilize her magic again now this it brings up a bunch of questions and i'll start with one by rachel which asks what kind of unfinished business would a horse have what is a horse doing in the underworld in the first place kurt
1: you know what i kind of looked at it because daniel was basically a stable hand right is yeah. that is that i kind of took this to potentially uh have some sort of symbolic tie back to regina's love for daniel um, and I'm not saying that she's resurrecting that love or healing that love, but, but maybe she's just was to some extent healing a broken heart for herself in return, in, in regards to that relationship with Daniel. So when I saw that horse, the first place that I went mentally was the stables and, uh, you know, the fact that she had just found out that her stable boy, uh, that she was in love with had passed through here and had gone on to a happier place. But, if assuming we're talking about literally there's a horse there, according to the rules, uh, either he's a native of this plane of existence um, <laughs> or he the, the horse does have some sort of unfinished business in terms of what kind of unfinished business might a horse uh, have. Um, perhaps there's like the 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 underworld stakes. Uh, Underbrooks the the Underbrook Derby um, and he, he the, perhaps this was a horse that died uh, you know right in the middle of a race and he has to just finish that race um, so there we go
0: I can't wait for the Seabiscuit flashback episode.
1: Oh, I'm really, really hoping that.
0: Imagine if if Cruella moves on as well, and the third in line to the mayor position is this horse. I'm kind of obsessed with this horse now. I want this horse to have more of a role in Once Upon a Time. I think, like, wasn't there like at some point in history
1: where like a horse had been elected to the Senate, like in some like loophole, and, and it might have like, you know, been in the 1800s in America or like in in Rome, like when, you know, one of the elders or one of the youngers uh, did some I don't know but yeah I would you know I could see a horse holding office I'll go for it
0: no I mean it, I mean it's again it's more of a placeholder position because Hades is the one that holds the true power so who knows maybe it would be like a, a big news story in the in the underbrook times uh yeah I I was also reminded of the scene of it was very lost-esque and I can't remember the episode but there was one where you know kate was hallucinating a horse or at least she thought she was hallucinating a horse in the jungle it turns out that sawyer saw it too but that horse had a big connection to her past and it sort of led her around and emotionally connected with her and i do my mind immediately jumped to the stable connection as well i agree kurt it's just it's one of those (laughs) scenes where the more you think about it the more you realize like oh wait there's a horse down there and apparently it's feeling you know some sort of depressive or hopeless state
1: yeah it 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 feels like that's the right connection i just don't know what that connection specifically is or what we're supposed to take from it
0: yeah exactly i well i thought she was gonna i thought it might have been her horse even when she was a when from when she was a girl and she mentions it by name because i think it does have a name
1: yeah exactly it was um it, it was something where it 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 seemed like there was a uh, I was looking for a little spark of familiarity more from Regina than from the horse. Um, And and it seemed like there might have been something there. uh, But again, it wasn't really explored. We didn't really get uh, anything beyond that.
0: Well, let's get to the meat of our episode here. Let's jump all the way back to the beginning where we leave off right where we ended last week, where Hades has basically given Hook the choice. Hey, if your friends keep saving people, you need to pick three of your friends to stay behind. Hook. Hook. Naturally, who has basically you know resisted all this sort of beating and coercing by Hades in the past? In in character, he says no, and Hades basically says, "All right, this is the final straw," and sends Hook, as he said, down the Green River, uh, the River of Lost Souls, and. It's a very interesting place. Uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but uh, you know, after talking about the green stream, uh, which sounds like a horrible name for like, a, 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 like it's if a, you have the green stream, you should consult your healer. Yeah, uh, it's
1: a it's a really really bad symptom.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> but it's it brings to mind, you know, as you said last week, we have these five colors of streams that are actually almost like Olympic in color. If if this was NBC, I would assume that was synergy in some sort of way. I wonder where these other streams may lead, and if we're going to access them at all. Because the the river of lost souls is from the movie Hercules, and it, it is green just like in the movie as well. So that's well known. But I wonder where the other four may lead. I think the
1: blue one is the river of dreams. That's the Billy uh, Joel river. Yeah, it leads uh, to
0: just you're just. It's like it's a small <laughs> a small world after all. But it's just looping uh, a Billy Joel soundtrack.
1: Exactly. Um, Old Man River, I believe, is one of them. Uh, Joan Rivers, I believe, it might be uh, Joan and Melissa oh. Rivers are the other two.
0: Oh God is that where the whore pit vipers live is that is that what bit bay the whore pit vipers exactly (laughs) you're taken to a poker table at the end of it if you you guys really need to watch reality tv if you're gonna get any of these jokes if you haven't at this point Oh, (laughs) oh boy so hook is sent on a boat trip uh not fortunately or unfortunately not one starring cuba gooding jr but meanwhile, fortunately, Gold,
1: very fortunately, fortunately,
0: maybe, maybe that's where like the red one leads is actually you're on a boat trip with Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh Gold enters the pawn shop. We were wondering, he was, he was gone the entire last episode and they don't seem to allude to as where he may have been, but this might fill in the blanks a little bit. Uh He goes back to the pawn shop to find that his father has left. Kurt, this might be lending towards the theory that we might not be seeing pan, at least not for a little while. Like you had hoped because he just, it seems like he just up and leaves. And leaves a note basically reminding him, hey, remember my offer, which basically said, if you don't remember, you know, keep one of the heroes down here in exchange for me coming up to the real world, because I'm your dad, we got Bond like that, and he leaves behind a set of panpipes I guess to I, I forget, I, I didn't research this. So this is my fault. Do you remember what the pan pipes did in uh, Once Upon a Time Season 3?
1: Um, I believe, remember, there's kind of a Pied Piper sort of element uh, in the origin story of the Lost Boys uh, in terms of, like, leading out the, the, the uh, you know, originally getting rid of the, the rats from the city, but then, you know, the, the the Lost Boys were kind of drawn by the the pied pipes, the pan pipes, if you will, out into the woods. Um, so I believe that's kind of what the connection is, at least if, if I'm remembering correctly.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you're correct. I think he was like, I think actually it was like Gold was actually tasked by the town, I think, to like help solve the problem of all the children being led away, or somebody, some character was, and it turned out it was Peter Pan the entire time. But... Gold puts down the pipes. He's got a mission right now. He is going to use some eyeballs and some some stick, just an effing stick, and he throws (laughs) it into a cauldron, and he basically makes a, a makeshift crystal ball here. And he uses the very loose term, show me what I seek, which will turn out to be very poignant later on. But for now, what he seeks is... What we think right now is just Belle who's hanging out with Grumpy, and for some reason Gold gets flustered and drops the ball. And I will say the Match episode did, ding 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 he, ding flustered drops the ball. Yes, <laughs> I love it. Uh, and but I will say that I think the episode did a great job with misdirect here in terms of I took it at face value this first scene of oh he was very emotional about his wife which caused him to literally drop the ball. Uh, I did once it came around later on. Then you're able to kind of rewatch the scene and say, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, the shock of realizing that your wife is pregnant with your second child and that that might have repercussions might cause you to, you know, slip up as well.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if he was necessarily thinking about contractual repercussions. Maybe he was. I think he might have just been, the oh, I I don't want another kid. This just makes things this is like, again, you know, we're, you know, adding some clippings and some new branches to this frickin tree of a family. Um, like I had almost took it took it to mean because I also thought that he looked flustered and worried. And I wondered if there was some connection, like Mila was his wife. Bell is his wife. Like, was he expecting to see Mila? Um, it seemed like it would have been the other way around where, like, if he had said, let me see my wife and he was looking for Belle but Mila showed up in the crystal ball and she was like just outside the door as a crossing guard. That would have been like flustered and drop the crystal ball and then be all surprised. But it showed bell. But I was still trying to play with something about see, like he asked to see something and he saw bell. What did he ask for? Um, what threw me also is that I had to rewatch it a couple of times is that in his letter, you know, pan references, use what's in this case when you're ready to, you know, go through with this. And I had to like, Watch a couple of times to, and I kind of cemented in my own head that uh, he kind of, whatever was in the case, it's still in there that, you know, the pan pipes were on the case that I don't believe is what Pan left behind this potion and, and concoction in the cauldron that he started making. I don't believe this is what Pan's instructions were. Um, so that's, I think, another thing in terms of something to look for down the road is there's still something that Pan has left in the pawn shop for gold to use in some sort of escape plan that will potentially, you know, include Pan in it.
0: And I think the writers just, they stumbled upon a great device in the pawn shop in general, in terms of if you need anything to solve the magical problem of the week, there really is, a, an, you can just pull anything out of that shop and provide it to them. It's, it's almost like a limitless supply of convenient objects.
1: Yeah, there you go. That, 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 I'm sure it will not be the last time that we go to the pawn shop for some sort of uh, device.
0: Yes, but unfortunately we will, we will not see Chumley there anytime soon. <laughs> that's like we're we like we're slowly downgrading our reality tv references we went survivor then celebrity apprentice and we are all the way bottoming out at pawn stars right now so i'm gonna stop myself before i start referencing naked and afraid uh so the heroes are afraid though they are very clothed uh but gold comes to basically lay down the law and say lay, listen you guys are all pretty stupid if you think you're just gonna charge in there and try to take down the lord of the underworld here emma you and me we're going to go and safe Hook, just the two of us. I know of this thing where basically I think the way I can compare this is basically the underworld is sort of like the Eye of Sauron in that you can sort of cloak yourself using a dead person's aura. But the minute that you're noticed, Hades Im- immediately sees you. Uh, so he basically says, all right, we just need to find a dead person and we need to basically cling onto their aura and have her kind of let us into the club, if you will. And then once we're down there, we'll go find hook.
1: Yeah. It's like, you can't get a whole group in, but you can get someone to bring a plus two. And, yeah. um, and I, I almost got the impression that it's like, there's like, it's not that he would necessarily see you right away, but there are literal magical barriers that if you, got caught in them you would be like disintegrated immediately um so i think that was like the, the big concern at least in terms of how i interpret it and emma brings up something really interesting that i also like didn't catch until like i think at the end of the, the last episode is that there was no gold whatsoever in the yeah. in the second episode in last week's episode and so um I found it very interesting that she kind of calls this out. It's like basically he, she accuses him of hiding all day yesterday while they were doing the whole Hercules thing. Um, And so he's like, yeah, I hid, but you know, I just realized that if I didn't step in uh, your plan would, you know, completely, you know, just not work. And then how would I get home? So I need to do this for me.
0: And I, I, I think the rules are still also a little loose in there, too, where obviously he needed to be the one to summon the boat to get them down to the Underworld, but could he have just said, like, okay, bye, I'm going to turn around now, you know? Is it only a one-way trip?
1: I don't... Did he Did he need to summon the boat?
0: Yeah, you, he, need, you, needed, the, you needed the blood... I think you either needed the blood of a Dark One or the blood of some sort of uh, circumstance, and so they needed Gold's blood to, to summon the boat itself.
1: Oh, but this isn't... The, this... Really? That wasn't, that was true for the, the boat that got them to the underworld, right? Yeah. That's what, that's what I meant. Oh yeah. I think this is, oh, okay. I see what you're saying in terms of, see, this is, this is what confused me is that the boat that took them down the green river wasn't the same kind of boat as the boat that took them to the
0: underworld. No, no, I think it looks similar, but I think it was more so, it was more like a canoe than it was an actual big gondola boat.
1: Exactly. And It wasn't until we'll get to this later that, um, at least the way that Hades was talking and the way that gold was talking toward the end of the episode was that this boat that they took down the, uh, river of lost souls was also going to be the boat that gold was planning to use to get back to the living realm. And that he kind of tells Hades, you know, you know, if you do make me destroy this, Uh, we'll get to that later on. I'll just talk more about that in depth, but if you make me destroy this, then that's my, you know, that's my plan to get home. Uh, so that's the thing. One of the things that was confusing me about this episode is I didn't realize that this boat was the same boat that they planned to use to escape the underworld.
0: Yeah, that brings up a good point, too, because, again, if this is a lower-grade boat, they're still going to try to use it to get back. Is the rule, then, that you can basically use any Underworld-grade boat to make your way back to the real world? There's just an officially sanctioned boat that gets you through the entrance?
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure, to be completely honest.
0: But Gold has a plan to utilize a dead person to, again, get them in as a plus two, and it is Mila. Mila in the Underworld is a crossing guard, and immediately, Kurt, I was struck with the horrible implication that all of these children are not only dead, but they also have unfinished business.
1: Just It's just homework that they didn't do. Yeah, I,
0: I <laughs> guess so. But I also I also don't even on, you know, ABC. Once upon a time, it can be a dark show sometimes. But I don't want to think about a bunch of dead children on these shows.
1: Uh, we know what? Yeah, yeah i can see where you're going with that it's it's hard it, you know i'm like ah uh should it make that joke uh should not make that joke either it's really hard to joke about dead kids <laughs> yeah. the um, one
0: thing i would say is maybe they're all maybe they're the younglings that anakin skywalker killed in episode Two.
1: Oh, i fell asleep in that one um <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah it, you know, that did hit me as well um i didn't quite go so far as like you know what is their unfinished business but um yeah, it's it, it's interesting the extent to which they're going about normal lives of going to school uh, when on any given day someone could suddenly complete their business and then your class is suddenly smaller.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, I guess yeah, Jimmy ascended today. I guess we're dead. <laughs> your mind is a partner for your science fair project.
1: Or any, any teachers in Underbrook, if they complete their unfinished business, I hope they get really detailed lesson plans behind for the substitute that takes over
0: exactly these poor substitute teachers i can only imagine who you know who gets stuck with that job of who hades put with that job uh i also again adding to the definite darkness of this scene uh mila's like oh i can't go with you i'm supposed to watch the kids and gold just scoffs like yeah well they're dead anyway (laughs) what's gonna gonna happen so horrible so horrible yeah but but, but right uh, but he's right Yeah. And at least, you know what? While they're here, they're going to get pony rides now. So I think they'll, they'll be able to entertain themselves at least somewhat, but gold is able to get her to come along by name dropping Killian Jones, her old love interest and basically saying, Hey, you can help. You can help him. But first, uh, you get to meet his current beau slash the person who, uh, the person who dated your son as well, which Becca asked, was this scene the most awkward scene ever on Once Upon a Time? And maybe it's a little bit of recency bias, Kurt, but I can't think of a scene that's more awkward. Maybe when they walked in on uh, Charming and Snow po- post-coitus in season two. But other than that, I can't think of a scene that's as awkward as introducing Mila to Emma.
1: Yeah, none comes... Ex- I'm sure it's definitely... It's one of those things where I... I, I- don't have immediate access to all of the, uh, awkward moments of the entire series. I would say though, it's definitely in the top five. Um, it, I I'd want to do some research to, before I declare it strongly as number one, but, uh, definitely top five, uh, it, a little bit like, okay, so you've dated both my, uh, ex boyfriend and my son. Um, Hello. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I also love any time an outsider is brought into this whole twisted family tree because they all have the same reaction of just like, uh all right, I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna try to turn around and walk away from the situation and just forget that I ever met you people.
1: Uh, well, and she can't. She's part of the tree. She's not she's not on the outside looking in. She is a branch.
0: Oh God! Yeah, she's a very uh, she's a very far off branch. She's a very gnarled branch on that tree. Uh, something I did uh, skip over is that we do get an update on Hook here. He is brought to his eventual resting place on, on, in the Green Stream, and we get a nice little Dante reference with "Abandon all Hopi who enter here" above the archway. And like a bond trap, I think we actually made this reference last <laughs> I, week.
1: A very Bond villain. I we have another yeah, match.
0: He, <laughs> He is, uh, he's like basically tied up in chains and is hoisted above a wench that I guess is slowly descending into the river of lost souls. And Hades monologues here about how you know you and your friends brought hope to the underworld so i can see it in your eyes so i'm going to hurt you and then i'm going to hurt your friends so nobody's here to save you and then his head turns blue which i guess sort of debunks my theory that whenever he goes like aggro super saiyan that's when his head turns blue just seems like he can turn it on and off whenever he wants
1: yeah it's it's like a a punctuation mark that where he'll he'll use it he'll turn it on the moment he says something just uh nicely gleefully villainous it doesn't have to necessarily be aggro
0: Yeah, though, again, we saw it twice this episode, and that is uh, twice too many, in my opinion.
1: I'm fine with it, Mike Bloom.
0: It's gotten a (laughs) little bit better for me, but it just seems, again, especially since Greg German's doing such a good job with the performance, it just seems hokey to be like, oh, by the way, I'm magic. You know, it just, that's, 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 you said the punctuation point, that's the punctuation that seems to come in every time that happens, in my opinion.
1: Fair enough, fair enough.
0: So we go into an analog of the house that Emma had bought in... part one of this season where excalibur had been resting in the basement these are some other creepy implications because inside the house it's not just an empty house uh we see a crib with a spider web with unicorns in it and a bunch of stuffed animals strewn about and becca asks us what's the meaning of there being a crib in emma's underworld house does that mean you know a is there a baby for emma and killian b is there another baby for emma in general See is this sort of like the loft thing where that means that Emma is going to come here no matter what after she dies.
1: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I know that the the crib with the unicorns uh in the mobile above it. That's that's reference that was Emma's crib uh from when she was a baby in story or in the enchanted forest before she was oh. before she was sent to our world. So this is this was something that I believe um Sleepy uh, had built for Mary for, for Snow White and Prince Charming uh, or, or, or was it Geppetto might've been, no, I'm pretty sure it was a dwarf actually this one. Oh, okay. It uh, could be, could be wrong. Um, But, and, but the, why it's here, I'm not entirely sure I, I did, you know, whereas my note was, I, I, I also believe that that was a, a Tigger and Pooh reference uh, in regards to the tiger and the, the bear on the floor at the bottom of the crib.
0: Oh, interesting! Could we see Emma step into the Hundred Acre Wood next season?
1: I, I think at one of our points, at a couple points during our our coverage of the show over the past couple of years, we've talked about what are those Disney properties or Disney adjacent properties that we have not yet seen. And I think the two that keep, the three that keep coming up for me are Jungle Book, which could very well have Italian given the upcoming movie um, uh, Dumbo, and uh, Winnie the Pooh. And so I, I believe this was a nice little nod to uh, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger.
0: And I hope that's where the line is drawn, because I think, I don't know, this show might jump the shark if they feature an entire story arc around talking animals.
1: Unless it's, unless they go the route of, you know, they were brought to Storybook and now they are in human form.
0: So basically the opposite <laughs> of Beauty and the Beast.
1: Uh, exactly. Remember we had Gus the Mouse Mechanic, uh, who had a very, very short episode in one of the... Uh, a
0: little, yeah. Were where they were they uh, framed Ruby for killing him? Exactly. And so I think we could
1: see something like that, but I think it'd be strange to have like people walking around the town and you're like, "Hey, Pooh. <laughs> um, yeah. and I'm not even going anywhere else with that one.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Keep, keep it with the dead kids in terms of the things you don't make jokes about. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, so I don't know. It, it, I could be wrong. I mean, it wasn't a typical Tigger stuffed animal. It was a tiger. But you see a tiger and you see a a pooh bear. Something that looked a little bit more like poo. Uh but I've never said poo so many <laughs> times. Um, but I don't know. You know, yeah. You, know, you know, Tigger said he's not a tiger. Uh, he's he's something completely different. Uh, yeah, so he's the only one. He's he's the only one. That's the wonderful thing about Tiggers. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, the the crib though, going back to it was, I believe, a reference to her crib when she was a baby uh, back in uh, Snow White and Prince Charming's uh, court before she. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you don't think it's an outright reference to the fact that, oh, Emma's going to come here later and she'll have a baby.
1: I mean, I think I think it was a it was a I don't know what it again, just like the horse earlier. It's like I believe it's a reference like the horse is a reference to the stables. I don't know what it means here. I believe the crib was a callback to her crib when she was a baby. I don't know what it means here.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to maybe put a bookmark on that yeah. to plant a flag as Antonio Mazzaro may say to investigate later on. Maybe it'll, it'll come back. Maybe it'll be carried on the horse's back. So they're able to just through the power of hand holding get through the barrier safely. I do find it actually kind of convenient that to reuse locations that the barrier to the underworld was located in Emma's yeah. basement the entire time. It's like two
1: places you always want to, three places you always want to look for people. I mean, the dwarven mines is kind of hard because they like, seem to go everywhere, but going into the, the uh, elevator in the former library and go into the basement in Emma's house. Those seem to yeah. be where kind of people end up getting placed slash hidden slash uh, stuck.
0: Well, if they went to the first location in the first place, they would have found Hook a lot easier. Exactly. <laughs> so as they pass through, um, Emma actually imparts some words onto Mila about the Neil vision that we talked about before. And Mila's sort of struck by that. And we find out later that's because her unfinished business is her son. And she decides, you know what? I'm going to stay and go with you down the river of lost souls. And they travel down. Seems like a pretty nonchalant ride. Nothing happens during. Uh, but as they get there, Gold insists, I'm going to stay behind with the boat. Uh and Emma, don't use your magic since Hades can detect it. And that's where sort of the Eye of Sauron thing comes on. Yeah. Comes in in my point yes, of view. Yes. You're right. Uh but Mila says, hey, uh, I don't trust this guy. Uh I know he's a little bit of a shady guy. Let me stick behind as well. And good thing, you know, Emma charged ahead just in time because it seems like Hook is on the brink of descending into the river of lost souls.
1: Yeah. It's it's it was interesting. Like I was going back to like when Mila first announces that she is going to be joining them. Uh I I, I couldn't tell, like, the expression on Gold's face was completely unreadable. He didn't look like, there wasn't, like, you didn't get the typical slight grin, like, this is my plan all along. And you didn't get the slight frown of, this is a complication I have to deal with. He just completely looked non-reactive that Mila decided that she would join them, but they lingered on his face for so long that it was strange that it stayed non-reactive. Like I was expecting yeah. and a couple more seconds of the, uh, and no, he's not giving us anything.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess there, I'm, I'm assuming his internal reaction was more like fine because again, we're not at the point where he's been given the instruction to basically destroy the boat and get rid of Mila. At this point, he's like, okay, my mission is to just save hook so I can get the F out of here. And so he, when, if you know, she has to come along, that's okay. It's probably not his most ideal traveling companion, but so be it. So I can understand the neutral reaction. I do agree, though. Maybe they had to plot a little bit for extra time in order to get the magical crescendo on the music just right. But, yeah, it, it did awkwardly linger for a second where you were you were suspected, okay, is his reaction supposed to cue something, even though he's not reacting at all?
1: Yeah, it's, it's I don't know, it, I... It definitely did not build up a sense of dread for me in terms of something bad's going to happen to Mila.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I knew something bad was going to happen. I mean, I didn't, I didn't put two and two together that she would eventually be blasted into the river of lost souls, but we'll get to that in a little bit. First, we have a heroic rescue by the one and only savior, Emma. She beasted that balance beam challenge. Chris Dartrey has nothing on her. Um, so she's able to save Hook just in time. The lovers, they are reunited. They are still joking about. Kurt, did you squee?
1: no i was i was i was more caught up at how bad of a bond villain trap this was or like you know evil device this was because it's like it would kind of like it's like it was stuck like it would like then suddenly it would like lower five inches and then he's gonna be stuck for a little bit so it, it i never really felt like he was in danger um but and part of me was also thinking like you couldn't wait one more episode to do this we had him rescued at 15 not 14 emma
0: yeah, maybe maybe there was like pressure sensors that Hades set up on the balance beam where every time she made a step, he kept ascending further and further. Uh, yeah. And of course, in true like Austin Powers lampshaded fashion, even though Hades knows all and sees all, he wasn't there. He sort of put a uh, hook in the trap and then just sort of turned his back to revel in it. And of course, the plan gets foiled, though. I think it turned out that that was Hades plan all along.
1: You think so? That he was that, that, um, that he was rescued?
0: I think he has a contingency plan for everything. I think this is a point, sort of like what we were just talking about with gold, where he said, "Hey, if he doesn't get saved and he falls into the river of lost souls, that's great. If he does get saved, well, I have a backup plan for that, and that's gold." So I think he was fine either way.
1: Yeah, it it didn't. Yeah, you you didn't really get the sense that uh, he was in any real danger. (laughs) Like, like uh, Hades wasn't going out of his way to make this very difficult for Emma to rescue him.
0: Yeah, I mean as we get further and further with these episodes and this especially the storyline of somebody staying behind i'm thinking there might be a slim slim chance that we don't see one of our main characters make it through to the end of this season but they wouldn't do it right here three episodes in
1: yeah no definitely
0: so we talked about this before but gold and mila basically connect a little bit in that mila brings up my unfinished business isn't you it's Bay. I should have been there for my son, and I, I'm, you know, I basically punished him because I grew to hate the man that was his father. So I thought maybe if I did something generous, like try to save Hook, maybe I'd be able to move on and see him. And Gold in this moment actually does seem very emotionally supportive, saying you will move on and again i think this is at a point where he doesn't know that he has to get rid of mila and i do think there is some sort of sincerity in what he's saying here
1: right but the thing i found i agree completely um the thing i found interesting was that uh gold originally he he's like okay your unfinished business if it's killian that's off the table and i found it interesting that gold would kind of it's it seemed like gold was almost Protecting the relationship between Emma and Hook, uh, so that Mila couldn't interfere with it. It just uh, for for Gold to step up and say, "You know what, Killian is off the table for you." seemed very strange to me. Add a little yeah. bit out of character.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk about an out of character moment for Killian to Gold later on. But yeah, that is a little bit of a strange thing, we don't really know. I don't really know how this guy feels about these people, to be honest. I know he's very protective of obviously his immediate family. So his son, his grandson, his wife, but part of me kind of thinks he doesn't give a crap about anybody else. And he never really has.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit strange.
0: Yeah. But let's get to our big Hades gold showdown. It was forecasted in the previews that we would have this showdown though. It turns out to be more of a, a con than it is a showdown at this point where Hades appears, and Gold tries to pull the dagger on him, but Hades just wants to make a deal, and he first flatters him, he butters him up, he does the exact same, the exact thing you want to do when you're, you know, when you're conning someone. Saul Goodman would be very proud of the job that Hades does, where he says he's a big fan of his, but what he'll need to have him do is destroy the boat, basically destroy the hero's chances of escaping, but in exchange for that, I'll I'll poof you back to your wife, and I guess maybe Gold is so and you know we'll find out later on that i guess because gold was so focused on getting back to his second child that's going to cause him to do something when again on the surface he should have realized hey these deals come with a price maybe hades is going to use some sort of loophole
1: right although i at this point it's also i don't <laughs> i don't get the sense that hades um had a loophole in mind at this point it's almost like he later discovers that there's something up with with gold, I, I don't. I don't know for sure, um, but the, yeah. but this was the part that confused me. Like again, the whole, you know, I need you to sink the boat you came in on because that will strand your friends here, and then, well, how will I get home then? If you if I sink my only way out of, and again, the way he's talking about that, it will strand your friends here. It's like this boat that they took down the river of lost souls does seem to be the escape boat for from Underbrook, um, and that. I don't know that that seemed to come a little bit out of nowhere for me in terms of especially given how many people there are and how many like I don't know do you have to like send over gold and Emma and Regina in the boat but then leave Regina back and then gold comes back and <laughs> picks up the fox and the chicken I know yeah, you,
0: it, you can't you can't leave Regina and gold alone that's exactly
1: right you can't leave the yeah and you can't leave hook with gold alone so it, it, it seems strange to me like it kind of came out of nowhere like I didn't realize until this dialogue from Hades that the boat that 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 gold is about to destroy was the escape from Underbook boat, but I guess it was. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like that you know he also the other interesting thing, and I brought this up a little bit last week. Is you know Gold says, well, you know you could sink it yourself, and Hades is like, yeah, well, I'd rather you do it. Again, yeah. I, I think there's, I think there's some element, and I, and I brought this up. Uh, uh, from the second episode is I really, you, you talked earlier about how Hades is all powerful, but I really wonder, can he directly influence and impact people whose souls are not his people who are not, who are only visitors to the underworld or can he only persuade them to do things like he could do what he did to Cora at the end of her episode because, you know, she was a resident of underbrook. Uh, likewise, he could probably do that to, uh, Cruella or to could have done it to Hercules, maybe if there were certain rule violations, but I, I have a feeling that he can 't directly I mean, he could do anything to to uh, to hook I have a feeling he he can 't directly do anything to visitors because they 're not necessarily of his realm, so he has to basically con people into doing what he wants them to do. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that actually plays out with the, the three tombstones that we talk about at the end of the episode. But that's my, kind of my working theory is that he can't actually interfere directly interfere with the lives of the living. Um, so I think he had to kind of con gold into destroying the boat.
0: Yeah, I think your theory is getting more and more credible with every episode. And I wouldn't be surprised if that turns out to be correct. It actually, you referenced Into the Woods before. It actually reminds me of the witch's main plot in Act 1 of Into the Woods is that she wants the baker and his wife to make this potion. But the, the rule is she can't touch any of the ingredients. It's like, you know, you can put your feet up on the couch when you're in your own house. But when you go over to somebody else's house, you're not allowed to. It's the power of things that you have control over versus trying to exercise power over things that you can't. And initially I chalked it up to an Arthur esque way of just being a sociopath and trying to manipulate people. But it seems like it's more lending more and more credence to he's just unable to do anything to them whatsoever, except flash his hair a little bit and make other people do his bidding.
1: Yeah. And then he, and it kind of ends on this note of, Oh, you know, gold by the way, my ex wife saw you, she can tell everybody of your plan and, you know, and Hades is like, you know, I'm sure that you'll handle that. You know, how eager are you to get home? Um, we don't, he doesn't actually directly tell gold how to solve that problem. And I'm, but the, you know, the fact that he even brings it up to Hades as an issue, I think is kind of a, a point in the evil column for gold um, in terms of, I think he was potentially thinking this that he was going to do something anyway and almost maybe was looking for Hades to direct him to. But I do think that, you know, from Mila's point of view, she froze. She see Hades, sees Hades arise. She freezes. The next thing she's going to see potentially is unfreezing. Hades is gone. Gold is still there. There's a ton of different explanations you could have potentially come up with other than what ends up happening.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think you talked about uh, chalking something up to the the evil column for gold. I mean, this is when I was sort of reminded like, oh, right, he is the Dark One. And he's not only the Dark One, he's at this point the most pow- powerful Dark One ever because he has absorbed the power of all of those Dementor Dark Ones and Hook and Nimue that came over. So he's definitely, you know, he's still gold, but he's going to operate with this extreme Pensions for evil, and he does so here. And I, I think he has this pretty badass line where he basically tells Mila, "Like, hey, I become the man you've always wanted to be, wanted me to be a man who takes what he needs." And then she basically destroys the boat and throws her into the river of lost souls. So that's one and done for Mila. Unfortunately, I'm not sure. You know, they they alluded to a little bit earlier what happens to people who fall in the river of lost souls, but it, it just seems like they're they're sort of stuck there forever. Yeah, it's
1: a, a three course Mila for the fish of the river.
0: Oh boy, yeah, those fish are gonna. Uh, I hope they like it salty. I guess she's salty because she did the went over the seas a lot. That's the only joke I have. That'll put that in the dead kids and the poo pile.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think we definitely have to um, assume that she is done. Like, unless there's some sort of twist where gold did something to fool Hades, but I, I really don't think that that's the case.
0: Yeah. I'd agree with that. And he totally, I mean, I don't think he did a great acting job here when MN hook happened to walk in and he goes, Oh, Oh no, my magic has been turned against me. Hades. No. <laughs> yeah. It's,
1: it's, it was kind of strange. Like what I was just trying to like wrap my head around what his actual explanation was. It was like, um, uh, you know, he, he tried using his magic on Hades, but Hades turned it against him and it ended up and and somehow Mila got, blasted into the river
0: (laughs) yeah i get like maybe it was like gold's magic backfired and basically the boat and mila just exploded even though i don't i don't know where she would go if she if you die in here it's not like you know it's not like freddy krueger if you die in here you die for real i don't know where she would go based on that but maybe she just fell into the river because of that
1: yeah and uh and it's also at this point that that hook his first tears that mila Uh, was along for the ride here. I'm sure. Oh, you just missed her. (laughs) Well, I'm, whereas I'm sure that like, unless that, uh, what I was kind of calling in my notes, the dangly pit, (laughs) where, where he was, you know, strung up over the river where Emma rescued him. Like, unless that was like literally on the other side of the, uh, abandoned all hope archway. I'm sure at some point during the rescue slash walk here, Emma would have mentioned the fact that, you know, Oh yeah, we're, we're, we're going to this boat and, uh gold is there and oh by the way i'm going to prep you for this mila
0: <laughs> yeah oh but i'm by the way uh i met your ex before super weird situation super awkward just to just to let you know i mean it seems like she had the time to tell him what happened after he died up in storybrook but didn't tell him that which brings up another interesting question for me in terms of uh, in terms of you know character verisimilitude because hook for all intents and purposes should be furious at gold at this point, because he basically said, Hey, this thing that I tried to do to be heroic, uh, it ended up being all for naught. And that's why I'm here. And so basically gold is the reason why hook is in this entire situation to begin with. And yes, even though he has a chance of being saved, he's caused a lot more bad than good. If I was hook, I would, even though I was beaten up, I would attack gold at this point.
1: Well, that, that was a, you're, you're talking about like, in terms of what happened on the, at the park with the yes. the gaggle of dark ones. I I, but, and, and, and again, this might just mean me needing a refresher on it, but did, you know, hooks sacrifice was done to banish all of the dark ones, right? Yeah. That happened. Yeah. So why, well, so it, why would hook it, be angry? he he because, actually because he actually did what he wanted to do
0: well no he tried to get rid of the dark one magic overall but then gold tricked him at the last minute and got all the dark one magic instead so basically oh, okay, everything okay, okay. that hulk tried to do to kill himself got entirely undone when it turned out there was a dark one the entire time see
1: whereas i was looking i was like well okay i see your point i see your point the because like i was looking at like so he I was that he wanted to get rid of all of the uh non-gold <laughs> he wanted to get rid of like all of the uh the new dark ones that were visiting town for the tour um and he did that successfully but what he didn't do that he did want to do is completely banish the concept and the power of the dark one because it does continue to exist on in gold
0: yeah okay i think I'd i mean, say i'd, I'd mean, say
1: he was still like i still give him a solid b plus for like what he sacrificed himself for
0: yeah i i agree but again I don't understand why he is so... Maybe he's just so worn out and he's happy to be saved that he's not, you know reaching for gold's neck at this point uh i don't i would definitely not go so far as he did to say we're even for now i do not think they're even <laughs> whatsoever uh but you know what hook is probably a more forgiving man than i am at this point
1: because like it, it, the way here's the thing the way that i kind of i think was looking at it was that the entire town was in danger due to Nimue and all of these dark ones just being there he managed to banish that the town had always kind of lived in this. Um, Uh, unsteady, slightly unbalanced, but understanding peace with gold as a dark one. We're back to that sort of equilibrium and the, the immediate threat is gone. Yes. He didn't banish, um, the uh the power of the dark one from the world but he did get it back to at least a state of normalcy and we did talk a little bit earlier about how you know gold is is evil gold is dark one but remember we've always has we always have talked about gold in storybrook as not really being an evil malevolent character but someone who just completely is self-interested in building up their own power and making completely selfish decisions, but has never really has, or has very, very, very seldom gone out of their way, out of his way to take violence and magical action against somebody unprompted. Um, I mean, but it still kind of does raise the overall point for what is gold's end game. In Storybrook. like if he's just, if he's just completely self-interested in manif- in gathering more and more power, like to what end is, is Gold trying yeah. to take over the world outside of Storybrook? We don't necessarily know that he is, but it seems like that's like the ult- only way that his story could potentially end in terms of what his goals are.
0: Well, that's what he tried to do last season, right? That was his plan with Bell, that he was going to try to, you know, break the spell over Storybrooke and try to cross over that town line in order to use his magic. And that's when he tried to go to New York, and when Zelina came, and every that that whole situation happened. But I guess if we're putting Gold in that whole little spectrum, that was a meme for a while online of like the unlawful good and the chaotic evil and all that stuff. I definitely agree that he's definitely much more of a non-active evil presence, in that. He definitely has male, uh, malevolent intentions. He's uh, he's lawful
1: evil. He's completely plays within the rules and is completely self interested.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which again is not as destructive as the you know as someone like Zelina or you know any of these creatures that come to the town every single half season. But it still is a presence that needs to be dealt with somehow. But it seems like bygones are bygones. For now, uh, all the heroes are back together, and now Regina has her magic. She is ready to split the heart, but wait—there's a twist. Twistos twist. Um, yeah. So, did, did the twistos go to the underworld as well? Is that their unfinished business? They couldn't finish off the the uh, the run of Big Brother Canada. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. It's like we at this point she she goes to reach into Emma and withdraw the heart, and she is unable to, and we don't really know like why at this point we don't really know what is necessarily uh happening here and i i i like and you know i liked gold's reaction he's like like kind of a, a single raised eyebrow not a smirk or anything but it's like huh interesting oh, it's like almost like huh I'm, I'm a mystery that i'm really curious about why this is happening
0: Yeah, absolutely. Though he's going to turn out to be actually really derogatory towards them in a second when he's like, well, you're all stupid. Uh, Because they go to the graveyard and it turns out that looks like uh, Hook didn't need to make his decision. Hades made the decision for him. The three people that have already been chosen to stay behind in advance are Mary Margaret or Snow White as the new name she coined. She probably is now pissed off that she chose to go by Snow White considering she could have gotten by on a technicality. Emma and regina kurt any thoughts about this choice for hades good choice bad choice well if his goal he and like you know we
1: we do see that he wanted um all of the people to stay here he's like he basically when he's when he's negotiating with gold uh he says that my goal is to have you back up in the in the uh, overworld if you will uh sending souls to me and to have these people here uh powerless or, or something like that um and i think you know by by making by picking these three then you also have robin hood's gonna stay hook is going to stay well hook has to stay at this point we still have not completely freedom henry's going to stay uh, uh david's going to stay um so i think it's almost like you picked who are like three kind of core members of alliances that will also make sure that you get all the other peripheral members to stay as well just by sheer choice
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And they're also... I mean, two of them are the only ones in possession of magic skills. I'm assuming, you know, once Hook stopped being the dark one, he lost his his dark one magic. So they could have been the most... They were the biggest threats that got taken out as well. So I think they really picked out the linchpins. I mean, I would also... I wonder if, you know, at some point, the three of them would say, okay, everyone else, we can take care of ourselves, go off on your own, and we're sort of left with, like, a season two situation where it turns out everyone else... Uh, goes back up and deals with stuff in the overworld while the three of them are down here. But I, I, I don't know if we'll ever get to that point because it seems like this is the most immediate concern. And Gold is sort of taunting them saying, nah, 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 you guys are stupid. But it turns out that uh, he gets snowed a little bit when he goes to see Hades later. <laughs> snowed. <laughs> well, yes, not snowed white.
1: I mean, but it's interesting is that we we don't know yet what impact this has yes we saw that that regina couldn't reach into uh you know emma's rib cage and pull out her heart but we don't know yet like what really has changed in terms of like so if they were to try to get out of that boat and leave they wouldn't be able to now is there is there really that sort of blockage going on um so all all we know is that they are he has marked them i wonder if there's actually any real power there it seems like you know the one thing that does go against my theory that uh that Hades cannot directly influence and impact the living. He has to have others do it for him is the fact that we saw Regina unable to do this to Emma. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm curious where, what this actually uh, holds for our heroes.
0: Well, maybe, maybe that's a loophole, maybe which we're about to talk about. Maybe it's just a loophole that, you know, I brought up the, he, I mean, again, maybe it's because he brought up this rule and hook, Pat waved away the rule that he presented this opportunity for hook to directly influence it. And because he waved it away, then, then Hades can say, okay, it's my turn now. Or maybe he got someone that they already, you know, that someone that wasn't him to carve the tombstones in the first place. And I wonder if the circumstances behind this are like, they're not necessarily dead, but they can't leave. So they're almost stuck in a purgatory version of purgatory.
1: (laughs) They just go up and they push the tombstones over.
0: (laughs) well all right we're bye they float away yeah they're in the happy
1: place now was a tippy 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 stone happy soul was that the (laughs) i loved it again
0: another great line from corella this episode so i want to unpack this final scene a little bit kurt and i'm going to try to explain it to the best of my ability so gold comes to visit hades and he says okay i'm ready to go home and of course hades says not so fast and what he basically reveals is Look, I have I will honor the deal. I will send you home, but not yet because some new information has come to light. And so he summons Fendrake, who I guess his unfinished business is that he died early or maybe he had maybe he was betting on the underbrook stakes or something and and the horse that he bet on died. (laughs) And so he was pissed off about that. Uh, But he noticed that, oh, you had a crystal ball before gold killed him. So <laughs> well, yeah, gold. Well, we'll gold kill him. I don't know, but I don't know if unfinished business is that someone kills you. Well, because if that's the case, every single character that somebody would have killed would have been down here, right? That's
1: true, that's true, that's true. So anyway, continue, continue.
0: Uh so he brings up the crystal ball and he actually summons a a reformed crystal ball and he says, Well, I'll, let's remind you that the thing you asked for is you want to see the thing that you seek. And the thing that you were thinking about was your child, and so you were a little flummoxed to see that you saw Bell, meaning, guess what? Bell's pregnant, y'all. And that means, you know, Fendrake's contract is still void, even though he's dead, and you, your theory might be valid that it's because they're all on the same plane. But Drake uh, happened to sign over his contract to me. So that means that I'm technically in possession of your second child, which happens to be the one that is currently residing in Bell's stomach. So now I'm sort of well, blackmailing it's, you it's, to it's be, the, do my dirty it's work. It's
1: actually the stomach, Mike Bloom.
0: Uh, the, the general area. Her stomach got big. We'll talk later. <laughs> it's You're going to teach me the birds and the bees later. There we on. go. Uh, so, yeah. So he's basically blackmailing Gold in exchange for having him do a little bit of his dirty work.
1: Yeah. So this raised a few questions for me. Um, like, this goes back to, again, the first of all, A, you know, if Gold and Cora did indeed get it on, and Regina is not, in fact, Henry's son, but. David, but, but Gold's, sorry, if Regina is not Henry's daughter, but is Gold's daughter, then technically Regina belongs to Hades, um, which I just don't see happening. Um, otherwise, but does this also mean that from a contractual perspective, if, uh, Mila had had a child with Hook, would that have filled the contract? Because it seemed to be like, whichever it seems to be gold's child is the one linked to the contract
0: or, or yeah, would it I think would
1: have been either one of them
0: i think it's gold i think it's the the person who signed okay. the contract and Good. again i i don't i i actually think the once upon a time wiki actually might have screenshotted the contract and might have post posted the entire length of the the text, but I'm making an assumption that it's referring specifically to the signer, which is gold.
1: Good. He should not be able to sign away the rights of Mila's body. That's again.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that would just make things even worse. So, yeah, I mean, I th- I think that the fact that it isn't Regina, I think, does debunk that theory that Regina is gold and Cora's child, which would also just I don't know. That would skeed me out a little bit. Yes, uh, that I, would make the I, tree...
1: I, so complicated in terms of that would just <laughs>
0: up that would just uproot the tree and just jumble it all around into a big mess of wood
1: the, the thing that, that i do wonder is like why at that point in the story and, and maybe you know the answer to this why at this point in the story uh at the very beginning was gold trying to see a picture a vision of neil because that's his son right that's who he was looking for
0: yes so why well, was he
1: doing it then because there's other points in the story where like after um after emma is telling mila that you know before i came here on the river uh neil came to me in a vision and blah 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 it seemed like that would have been like a spark for gold to want to do something like he did at the pawn shop it just kind of seemed out of the blue that he decided to go through this complicated magical spell to see neil
0: well, you could also make the same argument that it seemed complicated for Regina to try to fruitlessly search for Daniel oh. when she had no idea what oh, would w-
1: happen. I was wondering that too. <laughs>
0: yeah I I think it's just you know I think it's the emotions that drive these characters and especially I mean with with Gold as well I think the way he left things with Neil was very much unfinished business I mean I think Gold literally vested his soul inside of Neil causing Neil to die Uh, so that is definitely unfinished business not only from Neil's perspective but from Gold's perspective as well and so he's not going to make that assumption that Neil has moved on as he actually has. If he was missing
1: missing the entire second episode you think the first thing he would have done was rather than do this complicated magical spell. Spend that day off going to the graveyard and looking for Neil's tombstone.
0: Yeah, maybe, and maybe he did. I don't know. We we have no idea what Gold uh, did, and maybe there's a deleted scene out there somewhere that okay. will describe it. But I can, I can. I'm probably more on board with this than you are. Though I can definitely understand your concerns that it, it doesn't make much sense to go through this entire complicated spell with the crystal ball when you, there are more practical methods. If you do think he is indeed in the underworld
1: yeah and it just it was just more the you know why this sudden interest in finding Neil, I guess, like you said, maybe the fact that they are in the underworld, they're now surrounded by death, they've seen several souls that they know have moved on, and they've had time to think about, wait a minute, there's somebody who is very important to me who may very well be here um but and so maybe that's what just sparked it i'll just I will just accept it and move on, Mike bloom,
0: yeah, absolutely, so what what future do you see now that gold is basically going to be doing uh Hades bidding it's very reminiscent to me of uh of you know gold being under Zelina's control in the second half of season 3 and granted he was locked away for a good portion of that but when he was out he was still under her control so it's almost like he's in control of the dark one dagger almost
1: nobody puts gold in the corner <laughs> it's, it's 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 like you know when bef- before the um they leave the the gates to hell uh, with the hook, you know, after after Gold has lied and said that, you know, Hades blasted Mila into the river. You know, we see we see hooks say uh, Hades will pay for this. And then we see Gold kind of say as an aside almost to us. Yes, he will. And so I, I think that there is uh, in Gold's plans a. Uh, In his mind, uh, this idea that he is going to get revenge or pull one over on Hades or Hades will rue the day that this happens. So I have no fear that we are going to see uh, gold as a puppet of Hades for very, very long.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, again, your very your own loophole that you figured out about how the people who are not directly dead or are not able to be influenced by Hades might be his undoing here. Because really, at this point, it looks like Hades can't be stopped outside of that. I mean, he is all seeing he seems to be all knowing of everyone's past. Uh, and he's, uh, you know, he's extremely magical at the same time and he controls the freaking underworld where they're currently stuck in. So I feel like these, these guys are really backed into a corner at the moment. And it seems like now the most powerful one of our characters gold is now trapped in that same corner.
1: Yeah. It's um, yeah. It, especially cause it's interesting that, you know, Hades says you'll get home eventually I just need to make sure that, you know, these people kind of, there's, there's some things that you're going to need to do for me, but you know, it seemed like, uh, gold before Hades pulled one over on gold at the end, gold seemed already bound to determine that he was going to get some sort of revenge on Hades. So this is, I think this is kind of like, he's now going to double down on that revenge. We'll see, we'll see how this goes.
0: So if you have any ideas as to how our heroes will get revenge on Hades, or if you have any theories as to what Gold might have done in the episode where we didn't see him, or if you have any thoughts as to why a horse might be down in the underworld, you have a bunch of ways to reach out to us. Obviously, you can leave a comment here on postshowrecaps.com. And please, while you're here, if you haven't already, please subscribe to our Once Upon a Time Only feed at postshowrecaps.com slash once iTunes. And while you're there, rate and review us. We always love any and all word from you lovely listeners about how you've been enjoying our podcast. And you can always reach out to us on social media. I am at a Mike Bloom type on Twitter. Kurt is at Kurt Clark. But while you're here on Posture Recaps, check out everything else that's going on. Walking Dead season is winding down, but Seinfeld's always going strong. Uh, Daredevil season two coverage just started. SNL is uh, in a a little bit of a two-week break, but it'll it'll be back soon. Most shows recap is always going so. Uh, Better Call Saul is about halfway through its season. There's a bunch Stuff for you to enjoy. More populated here at post show recaps than a than a school in the underworld. <laughs> to finish things off here, Kurt, let's give a hashtag to people who have made it all the way to the end of this podcast. a <laughs> kind
1: of Few and far between here, uh, Mike Bloom. Um, <laughs> how if if you like your if you like your hashtags to have a PG thirteen rating, maybe go with hashtag whore pit viper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if it, on, in honor in honor of Joan honor Rivers, of Joan Rivers um, otherwise Beta Brodown. breakdown.
0: Yeah, I like beta bro down okay. I think that works or or uh or uh three course Mila I like that pun as well okay. <laughs> so we'll give we'll give some options so feel free to use any of those uh we'll be back next week uh, uh for our Easter episode or our Liamster episode since it's the return of uh Liam uh Killian's brother Liam Jones it seems like so we got another blast from the past in this throwback Thursday theme season. It's been going really well so far, Kurt. I'm super excited to come back next week and talk to you all about it. All right. So that's going to do it for this week of Once Upon a Time. If you made it all the way to the end of this podcast, hashtag beta bro down. Hashtag three, of course, Mila. Hashtag corporate vipers, PG-13 rating. Thank you, as always, for listening. And remember, uh, if if your beats last longer than 24 hours or if you're having a green stream, please consult Fendrake the Healer. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.